Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Phil Tiger. Slacker podcast. Slacker podcast. Does that get stuck in anybody else's head? Uh, it, it should not get stuck in my head. The theme tune to my own podcast. Can you imagine how cringeworthy it would be if I was walking down the street <laughs> singing the theme tune to my own podcast? God, that would be absolutely tragic. Hello, welcome to the Slacker podcast with myself phil taggart i hope you're good i hope you're well and i hope you're ready for some sweet musical podcast action one of the very few podcasts out there that you actually get some a little bit of music in um as we go further into the depths of uh, artist career to grab out the the early demos and the early moments um from their careers to share with you so you can see what it was like for them warts and all at the very beginning of their careers some of the demos that you get like really early ones are so bad you're you're wondering like how is this person in front of me like famous now because like the early stuff just wasn't great and i think that's quite reassuring in a way for any um budding artists or or um musicians that are listening to the podcast things things do get better you know like (laughs) with practice you you will achieve more um and i guess that's that, that kind of leads me on to um our next thing one thing i'm I, i'm doing on the patreon now which I, I i haven't up until recently been doing is um because i've like uh been in bands and run record labels and this that and the other i'm giving some feedback on on um songs to artists um at the moment over on my patreon page so if you sign up for that you can send me your song i'll i'll go backwards and forwards with you uh on on email about it it's patreon.com forward slash the slacker podcast not not the slacker podcast slacker podcast patreon.com forward slash slacker podcast uh the link should be below this um there's a link to the slacker youtube channel as well and we have been hunting these podcasts out for the crack this year um recent ones that you might enjoy um uh, last week we had Idols, the week beforehand Daniel Avery, the week before that Jarvis Cocker, Haim, Leanne Le Havas, Jaden Smith, Bob Geldof, Sleaford Mott. We've had lots recently 
loads of really good ones and i'm getting such good feedback um from you guys as well and obviously getting loads of great feedback from the slack community on patreon um if you enjoy the podcast feel free to give it a review um because that, that uh, puts it up the charts and gets it in front of more people's eyes um which is also like really helpful um there's a lot of good people at acast that are helping out with the the podcast at the moment as well so yeah shout out to to mike willer there and uh, yeah I th- i'm really enjoying doing them I'm, I'm kind of taking a little break i have one that i'm recording this week with um matt from the national and maybe one or two before the end of the year but i i actually have enough podcasts now to do us up until about the middle of january so i think i can take a break from recording for a wee while and maybe start again in the new year but anyway listen let's get to today's podcast it is with um jake bug who has been in the industry for uh, for, for like a, a good while probably since about 2012 2013 by my reckoning um and he started really early i think he started at, at 17 so he's like he's still a ten, tender age of like 23 or 24 um and he has put out numerous albums uh, at this stage like he has released more music than most people most people his age haven't even stuck out an album yet you know so like you know fair play to him uh for that he works hard at it and um yeah we kind of talk a little bit about his uh love of football how he sponsored um Notts county football team um about like the the music industry in general um what it was like meeting Sly Stallone and Robert De Niro <laughs> on one of the chat shows to so talk about everything and nothing at the same time but I think that's kind of the glory of the podcast he brings in a demo with him as well which I um I really enjoyed um which we will hear towards the start of the podcast and I guess I'll just uh keep quiet now also, um, in regards to the the song thing, I'm doing some live videos um, that I'll be doing live reviews on YouTube, um, which I'll tell you more about in coming weeks. But all the information will be on my social media at Philly Taggart. And all that's left for me now to do is to give it up to the man, Jake Bug, who is this week's Slacker Podcast in three, two, one. We got the Slacker podcast, we got Jake Bug, and from what I can see behind you, like seven, eight, nine guitars, a Hofner. Yeah, yeah, not all <laughs> mine, not not my guitars, though. Um, just the, the first guitar I ever had here, though, it's just my friend's studio. So. Is this, how come, how come the first guitar you've got is in your friend's studio? Did you, like, do you owe money or something? You're like, go and just, like, just take the guitar. <laughs> no, it, it was, uh, it, it broke when I was very young and he actually ended up, he got it restored and repaired for me. So he just looked after it for a while, but it's only, it's the first one I got. So it's not very big. It's just like, it's more for, uh, more for nostalgia than anything. Yeah. Big time. Was it one of those like little three quarter jobbies? Yeah, exactly. There. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the yeah, you don't stay in tune. You can't get a note out of it. No, no, dude, not at all first guitar i had was had like nylon strings like you know when you go to the music department at your school and all, all they've got they're all those like little spanish guitars that like yeah aren't, aren't very good for actually playing with the plectrum but like are also worth about a tenner yeah yeah that's it i actually ended up buying buying a classical one and um yeah it's, it's now i've kind of gone gone back to it it's it's, uh, it's really fun to play actually are you like down with the finger picking have you got that like down like because that, that that's something i could never get like it it's easy to get it to sound nice but it's hard to actually master it yeah it's um i guess it depends what you're going for i mean i think i'm okay when it comes to more like 
the folk and Celtic kind of playing. But, you know, obviously when it comes to whether it's, um, you know, flamenco or classical or samba even, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've, there's a, there's that third finger that uh, that doesn't get, should be getting used, but not not confident with it just yet. I have seen that like in, um, when, I, when I've been in like Madrid and you, you see somebody coming out at a restaurant and they start busting out the flamenco guitar and you're like, you are on life on fast forward. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. It's like a totally different way of playing, and uh, yeah, I'm big big fan of it. I have to say. How, how you doing? Anyway, how things? Like, uh, what have you been? What have you been up to this year? Apart from uh, the the same as all the rest of us. Like, what what's been keeping you busy? Um, well, I've been quite lucky because um, I've been doing. Uh, I was doing some work in lockdown, um, and I. Uh, the, put the trailer out the other day for the Ronaldinho um, documentary that I've been doing the music for, which has been amazing to do. And um, and obviously, I'm a big fan of football. So to, and to have something that keeps me occupied to do with football and music was uh, was perfect <laughs> for me. So it was an honour to be part of it, really. So, but I'm still working on it. So. I saw that. Like, I, I mean, see, yeah, I was doing doing my sort of like internet sweep, uh, like going like, what are we going to talk about? And I saw the Ronaldinho thing and I was like, I didn't know that you'd got into that sort of soundtrack world. Like, how did that come about? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it wasn't something I, I thought I'd be doing myself either. It was um, something that came through. Um, uh, the the guys who were directing it directed a couple of music videos for me. And, you know, they're friends with my manager and asked if he'd do the music supervising on it. And he'd asked if I'd have a go at doing the score. So... So I've been doing that and it's been great because I've had to learn different things like a uh, bit of classical and jazz to be able to play some of that samba thing. And uh, and um, obviously there's more scorey parts in there with simps and stuff like that. So it's been great to try something new. I've done like a little bit of music supervision like over the years. Like I did a little four part documentary ages ago um, and it was really grim topic matter. And I found that it, like that affected me a little bit because you're watching it over and over and over again i would imagine like if you are watching ronaldinho over and over again you're just going to be nothing but inspired right yeah absolutely i mean that's that was one of the great things about doing it was uh you know it wasn't something that I, i'd ever lose interest in i don't think it's like and you know when you get some of the briefs i, I can't say what they are but when you're getting some of the briefs for the scenes like mm. you know it's very easy to to picture as well because because it's you know it's such a important match or it's an important moment in football and it's um, just inspiring and, and to be part of it as well. He's a he's a colourful dude is um is Ronaldinho and he's got such an interest like his whole life even like with the shit that's going on with him at the minute with like um the passports and stuff. I mean it's yeah. all it's all like it's all like a Hollywood movie. Yeah, absolutely. And that's pretty much what they've turned it into, to be honest. And so that's uh, that's why it's nice to be, uh, you know, part of it. And uh, again, it was something I never thought I'd do. But, but you know, you know, somebody like him is an inspiration themselves. Um, someone like me, be, not, even though it's, you know, it's a different career or whatever, but the fact that he was always a, had a smile on his face and he loved what he did and he enjoyed it. And, you know, it's great to see. Have you got like any sort of artists that have turned to soundtrack like heroes like i mean mine would be like maybe like johnny greenwood um from radiohead who has like literally the soundtrack guy now is there any soundtrack artists that you you really enjoy or love i'm a big uh, i'm a big vangelis fan um i've um you know, he did Blade Runner and Chariots of Fire. And, yeah. and he's also got, you know, it's not just those. He's, you know, some of his own studio records are amazing as well. But yeah, I'd have to, I, I, I've always loved Vangelis. And I remember watching Blade Runner for the first time and I was like, 
why is this music so good? I didn't even know he did the soundtrack for it. And then mm. I looked up, I was like, oh, that's why. And um, yeah, he's just brilliant. And it's he was a bit ahead of his time as well, I think, which is why he's great. Does that mean that like the, the album that you've got coming out is like a a sort of change change of direction i hate kind of hate using that term change of direction because like you know it's the same person writing songs just the maybe the sound slightly changes but like was is that like a conscious effort to what you're doing with the record now my my main priority with this record was really it was about getting the production right i felt like you know i've made you know some some okay records and i but i've always felt like you know, and like, you know, if you look at the first record, it had a nice charm to it, but it's not, it doesn't sound very modern. Um, and I wanted to kind of bring my sound and my DNA into something that was a little more modern. And so um, I wouldn't say it's a change of direction. I'd say it's more of an evolution more than anything I'd like to think. And um, and I feel like, you know, I, I'm happy with the songs, but I feel like the production that we've got behind these songs have really given it new life and, and, um, and myself as well. Yeah, you definitely like sort of step back into like the the sort of modern sound of like 2020 or even like actually before that because like what was the track you did with camel fat was it- uh be someone yeah, yeah yeah exactly i mean i couldn't i couldn't for the life of me see 2012 13 jake bug doing a track with camel fat could you no absolutely not and um <laughs> and to be honest I, I probably wouldn't like um you know I, I like to try new things but you know i have to feel in somewhat confident doing them and um and with the camel fat guys i listened to this stuff and i was like i don't know there was just something about it that it was just it was dark um you know in terms of mm. its production and the songs and yeah. the melodies i was like and i love my psychedelic and you know my dark trippy stuff i was like actually maybe i could do something on this uh-huh. and i think it's only like two or three notes in the whole thing it's not very <laughs> it's just about making it dark as you can and simplifying it really i guess but it's it's a bang i mean and I remember it coming into my inbox or seeing it written down or something. I can't remember. Like it, it was, I definitely saw it written before I heard it, and I, and, and I looked at it and I was a bit like, "Fuck this! I don't think this is gonna work." Did, did you ever see like a collab and you're just like going, "Nah, I, I can't. Nah, it's not gonna. It's not oh, gonna hit it. Hit playing it, and I'm like." holy shit, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, di- I didn't know what was going to happen. And But fair play to those boys. And, you know, Mike Descala is an incredible producer. You know, we've, mm. we've jammed together and not only, like, you know, he's pr- done some production of kind of more my things and he gets some really great sounds and, and it comes from a good place. And um, But, yeah, it was something I definitely didn't expect. And especially when I had to go play at the, we had to do the, you know, Radio 1 IB for and then I just had to stand with no guitar and uh, and like sing along with them while they're DJing behind me. I was like, probably felt a little bit out of place to be honest. But everyone was having a good time by the looks of it. So yeah, what do you like? You, you always have your guitar really on you, don't you? Like I I I've, I remember like this is what I always thought about comedians is like if you don't know what to do with your hands, you feel like a bit of a bell end. Well, that's what I felt like. I didn't know what to do with my hands, to be honest. I'm like, do I do I give it the one arm in the air? Do I give it the, do I, do I hold the microphone? It's, it was bizarre. But, you know, it's like, it's those things that, you know, it, it's not something I feel confident doing so much. But it, I think those things push you out of your comfort zone and, you know, help you to, you know, evolve as a person and step out of your comfort zone a little bit. And probably next time I would do it, I'll feel a lot better about it. So. Like all, all great bands throughout history at one stage or another in their in their career have had to like mime right 
So like you know you yeah. you'll you'll have had like Nirvana going on top of the pops and doing it or the Beatles doing it and you know everybody's done it because you that's basically how TV works. Um, mm. How what what because like obviously you're talking about what you, what you're doing with your hands, but you've played every TV chat show. I think going like any of the ones that are worth mentioning anyway. What's what's that like? Because like you like how does that work? Talk me through that. Uh, well, yeah, like some of the ones we do in America are pretty crazy, like, you know, because they're, they're huge, aren't they? And mm. But, you know, the band, we get in there very early. We have to get in there, you know, same time as the crew and stuff, really. And they're just long days. It's just so funny seeing the building up and the sketches and the, the amount of that goes into these chat shows. And yeah. Then, you know, and then they, and then the whole thing gets presented in the evening. It's it's crazy. And like, especially when the guests, are. I think when I did like Graham Norton, I was like sat on a sofa with like, I think it was a uh, yeah. I know Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone <laughs> with it, <laughs> and it's just like I'm just plumped in the end. I'm like, what? On, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? I shouldn't be here at all. So it's like it is bizarre and funny, and what? but you you make some great people. Did so. you have any sort of um, back and forths with the uh, with Sly Stallone and Robert De Niro? Um, after the show, yeah. Um, like I think I think um, yeah, De Niro got off, but um, Sylvester stuck around and like you know being the. Uh, being the chatty funny guy he is and um yeah he was lovely and you know i think i was to my surprise i think he asked for a photo for his daughter which i couldn't believe and uh <laughs> i made it on this photo of me and him together like with his fist under me chin or whatever but it's just weird i sometimes because i didn't you know i didn't get really get into it for any of that no I, of I course just, not i love i love playing music you know it's like mm. so to have that thing that comes along with it and those nice moments through music is is no, really nice. Well, that's it. Like it's a, it's all like a bonus, and it's all, it's only really a part and parcel of a certain style of career. Like as in, you can't really. This isn't the, this isn't the path that everybody who picks up a guitar will 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 run. Like when you when you're like a a bona fide sort of pop star, like like you, that's the that's the sort of circles that happens. I mean, when you went and played Alan, did Alan beat you up? Did she like punch you in the face and be all mean and stuff as like as everybody's no, saying? No, mate. She was she was really nice. She was really nice to me. It was like we were on we were on set. So <laughs> but she was really, really sweet and uh, to, to me and um you know and it's funny though, like you just you don't know what's going on sometimes, no, do you? But no. I have to say like, yeah, I think I remember uh, Jay Leno was really nice. Jimmy Fallon's cool. Um, Jimmy Kimmel was really, really sound. And um, yeah, they've all been great to be. Yeah. I want to I want to go back to the very beginning um, about like the sort of music that was playing in your house growing up. Can you remember like what what the sort of shared family song was when when you were a kid? Uh, I don't, yeah, there wasn't really a fit shared family song. It was like, you know, whatever me mum would play, we'd ate. That's usually the way it goes, isn't it? <laughs> what was she? What was she playing? Well, my mum, she had quite, a, you know, um, you know, she had quite a bit of a range of taste, really. I guess um, she'd go for, you know, she'd play Beethoven and all that, which was great. But then, you know, the take that CD had come out, you know, and then, you know, when when her sister's around for a few drinks, then the, then the uh, take that CD comes on. <laughs> not not saying anything bad about it, but it just wasn't my cup of tea, like. You know, they're obviously good songwriters, but it was just funny. Yeah, it's like there was records, there was just records. Yeah, that one. And I know she loved a meatloaf as well. Like, uh, Bad Out of Hell, full couldn't do nine and a half minute version or whatever it is of uh, Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, just just couldn't do it. Nah. Just couldn't do it. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that one. Like, I mean, that's that's it. <laughs> but I read somewhere right, and I don't know like how true it is, but like your mom and dad, like I've 
been a, a played music before or are they they'd recorded music before like what in, in what sort of capacity um they never did a gig or anything you know it's just like just i think they had a mate that they um who had a bit of a studio in his in his room basically and mum did a bit of singing dad played keys and and uh, and that was the extent of it, really. They never did any gigs or anything like that. But that, I think that's one gr- why growing up, I I was I didn't want to get into music. I didn't I didn't like it. I loved my football, and it wasn't until I started playing the guitar that I saw a different side to it, really, and went on that journey. It's a, yeah, I I've met pe- people that have done it the other way around. Where like a friend of mine, Reggie uh, Reggie Snow, um, he's like a, a rapper from Ireland. Like went and had a. Like went and played football in LA on a scholarship, and then got into hip hop and became a, a rapper off the back of it. Um, if would you give it all up now, at, like at twenty six, if you were like able to sign, um, play play up front for Notts County? No, I wouldn't. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't give it up. But you know, I think you know if they were ever really struggling, <laughs> but, but I don't think they'll be ever struggling that bad to to need someone like me in the team. So. Uh, but um, no, absolutely not. I think, you know, I'm I'm doing the thing that I, I really love, and and I, you know, I get a lot of independence and freedom with my career and my choices. Yeah. I get to make fortunately as well. So there's that side of it, and um, you know, there's always going to be compromises. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I, give it. Up. What I've learned from watching the the All or Nothing. Have you been watching that on Amazon Prime? It's like uh, a documentary about Spurs, and they did a documentary. No, I haven't. I wanted to start watching it. Though. Yeah, it looks good. Some of the clips I've seen. It's great, and I watched the one about Sunderland. Sunderland till we die as well. And the one thing that that matches up in both those um, documentaries about the footballers is their lives are like fair enough that they get paid a lot of money and they have the adulation and come Saturday, come Wednesday, come Sunday, it's great. Their lives are very boring. And like in in between, like I mean, yeah. they have to sort yeah. of sit about and do nothing really. And I guess like that can be quite similar to tour life because like when you're touring between places, there's not really much you can do, really, is there? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> luckily we we have we you know we can go to the pub and smash as many beers as we like. Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> when the, you know the football lads can't do that. So, yeah, there's always something for us musicians to be knocking around doing, lurking <laughs> around somewhere. <laughs> that, that's a fair point, and I didn't like as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, "Oh, yes, they're very similar." <laughs> yeah, wait, I thought I was, <laughs> wait, no, they're not. <laughs> Although, if you were a footballer in the eighties, like it kind of you had the best of both worlds, didn't you? You'd be like finishing up your match and going out for a, a rake of pints, and then yeah, exactly, it's a ciggy half time, isn't it? But uh, but no, I guess you know when we're on gig days, there's a lot of waiting around, and we can't, you know, we can't be. Mm. Um, pushing us out or drinking and stuff before that so yeah on gig days there's a lot of waiting around in not so nice venues sometimes and things like that but there the the pros definitely outweigh the cons for sure were you any good at football like uh, did you ever like ever play like, play for a, a team yeah i was okay i played for i played for the the county of nottingham um called city boys mm. and some of the lads i i played with um one of them plays for wickham wanderers now from my team so i played at an okay level it was like the level before academies and stuff but uh but yeah and then i picked up the guitar and that was the end of that that really. was the end the, of it yeah, yeah but then like, yeah pretty much that that led to like a bit of a I mean, sort of like a long way down the line, working with Notts County. I say working with them, like putting your name on their shirt. Like that's that's every kid's dream is like being able to shirt sponsor their own team. Like that must have been amazing, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, and I think like the, you know, the the extra icing on the cake was um was when we we're in when we we're in the Division Two 
when we were a professional um, side, not in the non-league, and I was on the FIFA kit as well. So I'd get them all the way from division from Division Four to the Champions League, and they're wearing your name, which was. Uh, but that's that's you know when I think about those things, uh, you know I think I made the right decision. Yet you're not going to be sponsoring Notts County if you if you perhaps you know maybe playing in the side, are you? So. it sounds like you're like uh it's like if you're the the manager's son or whatever like you've kind of bought your way on like you (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i bought my way on it now i went and watched a bit of training with him today and um yeah it looked uh yeah no chance no chance for me (laughs) too too fast man like all the all the lower leagues from the premier league are all starting to catch up i think they're like 10 years ago they would have been where they are now but i feel like they're at like basically all the athletes now, all the younger like footballers that are coming through, are all just better, better athletes. They're just faster. No, absolutely, and uh, um, but you know, I think guess you know, speaking to a few players, one of the interesting things is it's like, you know, I think mentally, you know, maybe younger people are not are finding it a lot tougher because, you know, now you hear stories like you know, if you shout at a, a young kid when he's coming up through the ranks that you know sometimes they can they can break down and it can be hard for him and so even though they're getting fitter and more physical it's uh you know that that old school mental side of it's kind of going maybe that's a good thing though in the end so yeah that's that, that that's true like i mean you see like people like ferguson and like Mourinho kind of having to change tact like but, yeah but to, to deal with millennials really i guess um like i've had people in my career that have been able to like talk to me in a real serious way of like basically tell me to like ship up or like you know like pull my shit together Do you, have you ever had yeah. have, have you had that person in your life whether it's like a, a manager a family member a friend like have you ever had somebody that's just been like going they're the person that like basically lays the law down um to be honest mate no probably not i've kind of always been quite independent myself to be honest and mm. like you know I, i'd never allow anyone you know i'm the I put more pressure on myself, you know, than anyone could, I think. So that's kind of my drive. And I just, yeah, I don't like to rely on anybody else. And I don't like, and I also don't like being told what to do like most people <laughs> as well. So. Yeah, I hear that. I definitely hear that. Um, so the, the the first guitar that you have is, is behind your behind your head. Um, what was the first show that you, you, you played it at or the first show you ever played? Uh, the first show I ever did was a school concert. And, um, and to be honest, it was a talent show at the school concert. I was about 14. And whenever I do get nervous before any gig, I just remember that gig. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Because there's nothing scarier than going up in front of your school and your classmates and having to play a guitar on your own. And... Yeah, just I don't think anything will compete with that on a fear factor level. And uh, so, um, that yeah, it was probably that one. It wasn't really a gig. It was one song, but I'll count it. There was more than 100 people there. So Oh, dude, that, that's, that's definitely a gig. And that's definitely... It's because it was at school. It's it's worthy of shitting yourself out as well. What song did you play? I think I played uh, I think I played Vincent by Don McLean, I think. And I think I messed up the beginning as well. Which uh, didn't help. Well, isn't the, the, the what the, are the opening lyrics to that not starry starry night? <laughs> like, yeah, but but you, so yeah, so I was so that's what I was doing, and he, and he plays it on the string, do 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 do. But I'd started on the wrong string, so like <laughs> and then I sang the wrong melody, like starry starry night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was that was in the Simpsons, like wasn't it? Like that. Yeah, that was... that's how I discovered it. Um, it was in one of those episodes. I think it's where he's nicking the. Is it the? the badges of the cars and stuff I yeah like i look after a, a, um and work with a, a young punk band from ireland and they're like what 20 21 and they're, they're called tights and I, I was chatting to them like about how they got into music and the the lead singer who writes all the songs um and great incredible songwriter like really fucking fresh shit like and he just like turned to me and was like oh and i got into it from guitar hero i heard rolling stones painted black and I was just like, what? I feel so old. <laughs> Mate, like, I grew up playing playing Guitar Hero 2 and uh, 3. And actually, like, because I'm back in my hometown now, but it's still at my mum's, so I had a little blast on it the, the other day. And I found a lot of songs, at, like 13, 14 through Guitar Hero. It was pretty good for, for, for definitely discovering music, I think. Pretty cool game. Can you like? Are you still good at Guitar Hero? Like, like, is it not really embarrassing if you're actually playing in front of like l- like those big stadiums and you come back and do Guitar Hero where you're pretending to do it and you mess it up? Yeah, yeah, I know, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like to blame any trophy, but I, I can't do every song, but I can do, I can do a few songs on Expert. So, <laughs> like, I'm not as good as I used to be. I've lost, lost a lot of it from when I was a kid, but what's I can the, still do a few songs. What's the hard one? Like, I feel like it would probably be like Dragon Force or like. Guns and Roses yeah. or something. I don't think I ever did Dragon Force um, through the Fire and Flames, wasn't it? I couldn't do that on Expert. I, I did it on Odd, but Expert was too much. But I, I did manage Freebird on Expert on Guitar Hero too. Full that, solo. That was, uh, the, what's that? Full guitar solo. Yeah, on the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the guitar solo. But I think I had to use a bit of star power just to get me through it. I don't. It wasn't a five star job, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, no. I, I look. Like, I played in a band, and like we used to get shouted at all the time. Play Freebird. So like we went back and played the venue. We know that this one guy just shouts it all the time. So like we went away for two weeks and and learnt it. So when he did shout wow. it, we waited well, for on the we, solo and everything. Yeah, we. Sh- I mean, we we were totally awful <laughs> at it like but but we we tried to play it they're like going all right fine okay did he stop saying it after that i yeah, i think a lot of people stopped i think i think everybody, <laughs> everybody just left <laughs> they were like going no that's not it um like we obviously like i we i cut my teeth playing um uh covers like did you do the same yourself before you started sort of writing your own stuff 
Yeah, I think I played um, I played covers from the age of about 12 to 14. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd, yeah, there's a lot of Johnny Cash, Neil Young, uh, Beatles, obviously. And, the classics. Uh, and, and I, loved, I loved a lot of a Green Day as well growing up. Like, it was quite good to learn power chords and stuff. I had a Green mm. Day book, which was quite fun. And um, yeah, till about 14, I, I was uh, doing just covers, yeah. Like, you can see a little bit of that sort of Green Day frenetic nature, like in sort of lightning bolt and things like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I think, you know, like, I just, it's just an interesting band, you know, to have that success in the 90s and, and then to come back and have your biggest spell of your career many years later when you're much older. And and I think it's just, a, you know, it's a testament to to, to his songwriting abilities, uh, abilities, Billy Joe. So, you know, I think he's just a great songwriter and, um, you know, I think that's that's why they did so well, I think. That is interesting. You're right. Like, and I don't think about it enough is that, like, they are. They were a scratchy punk band and came back and became a stadium band. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but like still it, punk so, rock. Yeah, it's it's like it's just mental, like on a huge commercial level as well. And but that you know that American Idiot record, it was massive when I was young. And from back back to finish, it's just it's a crazy in depth, brilliant album. Really, it's like, and I, and I know that you've got that kind of pop funk thing, but. You know, there's a few bands that sound like you got your Blink 182 and there's some 41 and stuff. But I think Green Day started very early, didn't they? In the like late 80s doing that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. they were the kind of forefront of the whole movement, I believe. They came through the proper punk. Like they came through like uh, not not the UK punk, but like the sort of DC hardcore. And and, and they loved English punk punk rock and, and, and they just brought their own thing to it. And then also like on top of all these like massive punk songs, they'll have like time of your life um yeah exactly uh, that was good riddance which is like the song that every kid wants to play on acoustic guitar exactly it's like it's amazing that you know the the arsenal of material they've got really from you know the heavier stuff to beautiful just guitar ballads like even on some of those older yeah on like some of the international or super hits or whatever it's called that macy's day parade it's just like got all these like it's just bizarre just a great band personally i think underrated like in terms of well, obviously not because they're huge aren't they but you know, i think it like maybe a lot of musicians think oh it's you know pop punk but really it's great songs mm, big time like i i totally agree um there's a there's a uh, a new music uh tastemaker up up around your way uh who had like a a sort of a, a bit to play with your sort of come up story and that was a guy called dean jackson yeah um he does like a bbc introducing show um in um in nottingham and uh, and like i've worked at radio one for a long time and like you know i kind of play new music all the time and he is kind of seen as like the wise owl of of bbc introducing everybody knows that like he's the he's the og (laughs) yeah um yeah he's great man so how did like yeah how did how did that work like um or sort of your more for your fans that are outside of the UK that don't really get what the introducing thing is like. What was the vibe with that? Well, it's dead weird. Like, because I am, um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd actually spend quite a lot of time on the internet when I was like fifteen, sixteen, and um, you know, looking at you know ways to make it in the industry and things like that. And and then I came across the website, BBC Introducing website, and it just said. Just upload your music and it may or may not be played or listened to. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I've just got to send some tracks and and that's that. I was yeah. like, so I sent them and then Dean pretty much got back the next day or maybe a couple of days and was like, 
yeah, I love your track. I'm going to play it on the show. And uh, But he knew he'd played my cousin's band a few times, the Swines. He played them a few times uh, on his show. So he'd asked if I was related in any way, he knew my cousin. And then, yeah, he just like kind of just gave me all the support he could from there, really. And what was helped the me tune? as much as I could. And, and he sent me... Um, even like I remember, he got there was a couple of producers from PUBC Nottingham who took me down to London because I got invited to the BBC introducing Masterclass, and the, even a couple of producers from the show drove me down to make sure I was there and stuff. And <laughs> just couldn't have asked for much more support, really. It was, that was so, so so nice of him. That's so rare that that happens as well. I mean, like obviously, like the BBC, like and, and BBC introducing have that this kind of like pastoral care to their like community, which is deeper really than the music because they want their. They want people from their area to do well and they will step in front of whatever bus, buses that need to come to yeah. to make sure that they do get there because it's not only reflective good of, of them and their job, but it's also great for the, the music scene that they love dearly. So it must have been, it must have moved quite fast from there Like because I would kind of like remember the sort of beginnings of that story and it did seem to move quite fast for, for, for me. I mean, what was it like for you? I mean, it's okay. I mean, for me, you know, it's, I live it every day, so it's not like that you don't feel how fast it's going for you. I guess from an outside perspective, it might may have seemed like that. But to be honest, yeah, I got signed when I was 17, and which was incredibly lucky. And, you know, I'd, but I kind of, I don't know, I was just, when from when at the age of about 14, when I started writing, I kind of knew it's what I wanted to do. And I was going to do whatever it took to make sure I was, it was going to be the career I had. And, uh, mm. So even though it was seemed fast, you know, it's everything was going in the direction that I that I'd wanted it to. So you know, I was just happy and enjoying everything really. So did you have that like that that kind of confidence? Like uh, you know, I came up in uh, around the same time that everybody was like talking about being wanting to be the greatest band in the world because of Oasis or because of Arctic Monkeys. Did you have that instilled in you, or like were you a little bit more, I don't know, world weary around it or? How did you know? I'm not, I wouldn't say I was like confident or you know, like you know, I'm going to be the best or this. I was just like, I think it's kind of you know, it's more of a product of my environment and where I came from and the life I had. And yeah, you know, I just like, you know, I want something, I want something different. I don't want this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna do what it takes. And uh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a mission to be the, the biggest or the best. It was just like, I want to see the world and I want to do it doing something I love. and have you Luckily done? It came. Have you? You've obviously seen the world through the lens of of a uh, of a tour bus and through the through the flights that you've taken. But have you have you lived all over the world, or like have you always stuck close to home? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I've recorded in different parts. You know, like um, if I get the opportunity to, to to stay somewhere or go somewhere for a while, I will do so. Like, you know, I've actually got time to spend. I've had time to spend in Australia, and I'll visit my friends in japan and spend time there and but some what the great thing is about traveling and even though you don't get to see everything so quick you get an you get an idea of a place so if you like it you can you get to go back there and you, yeah. it's great for knowing where to go on holiday to be honest so <laughs> it's a it's that good side to it you've never like um it did the whole like live in la for for a year live in like new york for a year like do you know, it's almost yeah, like no. it's almost like the cliche geography map of rock stars and where they go to live, like London for a year. Yeah, it's true. I, you know, I live in London now, and it's just you know, it's it's just because it's convenient more than anything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I've, I've I've I have spent time in 
I can only do a few weeks in LA. I love it, but I can only do a few weeks and then I start going a bit going a bit mad to be honest. So everybody's so, uh, everybody's too nice and they're and they're too straightforward. Like it kind of puts me on the back foot. Yeah, but sometimes I feel like I don't know who's if they're really being nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how sincere it all is sometimes. That's yeah, I know what but you I, mean. I, I do love it there, and there are some great people there. I've got some good friends there. So but you made cool you made your second album um, round about there, didn't you? The, the Shangri La record. Yeah, in Malibu. Yeah. Yeah, that was in that was in Rick Rubin's. Like we haven't even got the debut album yet. <laughs> I'm shooting, all, I'm shooting, <laughs> shooting all over the place on this one. Like, but like, that's uh, all right, mate. Um, Rick Rubin. Um, I was talking to um LP from Run the Jewels about Rick Rubin. Um, oh, these they're they're great, aren't they? Run the Jewels, what a, quality, man. What a great band. Uh, I had them yeah. on the podcast a couple of months ago, and Thank I just you. said to him like as a joke, going, I bet you he's got a picture from himself levitating in the studio, and he was like. He does. There is actually a picture of Rick, of Rick Rubin <laughs> levitating. Um, to, he didn't work on the Run the Jewels album. I think he would like it was kind of he was there. He would come in and say hello or whatever. But what was the sort of working relationship that you had with them on the second album? Well, to be honest, I've I've been told that you know he wouldn't always be there. He wouldn't stick around long, and he was there every day, and he was there for the whole day. And um, and what happened was, I was only meant to record a song with him, re-record a song from the first record, Broken, um, to put out as the single. And um, and then so we, I went there over there and talked to him, and did the song, and then he was like, "Have you got any more?" I was like, "Yeah, I've got a few bits and bobs." And he was like, "Let's do an album." And I was just like, kind of took me and and the label by surprise. The label were very surprised at the time. I don't think that they yeah. were they were like freaking out a bit. But they were probably you know, like, "Have you got enough songs to like do this?" Or yeah, you, yeah, pretty but pretty much. But I'm somebody that likes. I like that pressure of you know. I didn't have all the songs yet, but now that now that I've got an objective and a mission to get some songs, and I've got something to to strive for. So. Yeah. And and the overall experience was just incredible because the first album was done in like studios around the UK, maybe a bit grungy, maybe a bit dirty. And so to be in California in a where the sun's shining, there's just lemon trees growing everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and you've got Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on drums. It's like <laughs> it's all a bit it's all a bit funny and a bit strange, but it an amazing experience nonetheless. But yeah, you think that like that that would be a pinch yourself moment, but at the same time, if you're tunnel vision about finishing a record and tunnel vision about writing these songs you probably didn't even think about it until like way after no absolutely not mate. and to be honest like it sounds terrible but, you know I was, I was about 18 19 around then and i didn't really know who rick rubin was or anything he'd <laughs> done to be honest you know, yeah. it sounds bad but so for me it was just like i knew it was an amazing thing and obviously now i'm reflecting i'm like wow like i can't believe i got the opportunity to do that mm. but at the time i was just excited and just happy to to be in such a cool place and making music i thought it was great like you have you have been like nothing but prolific i mean there's four albums out there's going to be a fifth out um very soon and you're like 26 years old like you are definitely like you've put down more albums than any other 26 year old i know <laughs> uh, well as i said you know like i didn't i don't get, i didn't get into it for the lifestyle or anything like that i just solely love making records. I love playing my instrument. I love writing songs. And, um, you know, but the great thing about making this new record is uh, I've, I've decided, you know, because I was trying to accomplish getting something a bit more modern things. And I've decided to work with loads of different people and try new things. And it's been, 
it's just been really fun to be honest and I feel like I've been approaching it with an open mind as well so I'm getting much better results um from it as well I see have you like you must have learned so much from because like, you've worked with great people a lot along the way like um like uh, somebody that I know quite well Ian Archer um yeah you, you worked with him on a lot of the the first album and you know you've had great producers and stuff like is this all like it's kind of like this is this like an education like is this like university for you like taking all this like stuff in so like you can become a, a producer and a songwriter outside of like your own career as a as a sort of a musician and an artist no absolutely that's that's exactly how i saw it um you know working with ian from the age of 17 um you know I, all my mates are going to college and things like that and i you know i got to sit and write songs and develop my skills as a writer with people and like Ian taught me a whole lot and was a great mentor for that period certainly and and so that's the kind of way I, I like to approach things still now is it's just just learning all the time you never never stop learning there's something new and uh, but also because I'm you know learning more and more I, I'm getting a better idea of what I want so I know what to ask for if there's something I really want or I feel like we could do on a track you know I know how to get there um, but yeah, Ian was such a big help in the early days, and and uh, and everybody else I've worked with has been great, to be honest. So. Is there like one piece of advice that you've ever had that like you stick with? Like, there's like certain piece of advice that stick with me in terms of like being a broadcaster or working on the radio. But is there something that like sort of stays with you that keep keeps you going and keeps you sort of focused or or uh, what? Yeah, absolutely. Like. Um, you know, it was actually Dean Jackson who told me very early on in the early days that, you know, he, he warned me that, um, you know, for every, you know, for every two steps forward, there's going to be a step back. And, you know, sometimes that very much is the case. And, you know, there's been times in, you know, my career and things have got, haven't gone the way that I've wanted sometimes. And that's just that's just part of it. But you've got to you've got to pick, you pick yourself up and you've got to carry on and try and, you know, get the best out of yourself. And and um you know, I think maybe, in, you know, yeah, there's been a few step backs for sure, but I hope that this next record is more, more than a step forward, hopefully. so. Big time. And, and like, how, how confident are you about, about the record? And, like, what, what is your sort of metric of success for a record, I guess? Like, like what, what, ma- what makes it um, something that you, you're very proud of? I think, you know, it's, um, it's hard to tell. You know, there's, like... It's like my third record, you know. It's um, you know, I thought it was probably the, I thought it was probably amazing at the time. And you know, on reflection, I'm happy with the songs. Probably not so happy with the production, and like, didn't really come out the way I didn't intended. Um, you know, so I think uh, on reflection, you know, I thought that record could have been better. And um, but with this new one, it just feels fresh. It feels different. It feels it feels like me, but I feel personally it feels like a, a step up. And um, in terms of the songs and the production and um but I've, I've you know been trying to work really hard on it i've worked with loads of cool producers and writers and so i'm, I'm confident it's a good record but it's, it's not me that has to go out and buy it is it so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's it so, if, if this was like the old school record industry like like you know, back in the days where they sold nothing but physical like there'd be somebody from your record label like driving around in a car like buying them from like the shops and not again so, yeah. you know, have you heard stories about that i heard stories about that back in the day where like in the 90s there would be like two like maybe say x band and y band there was like a thousand sales between them and 
the record label would be sent out to just go and buy them around the country. I know, yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? And it's like, you know, and that's it's sad like that. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think it's getting more and more difficult for more emerging younger songwriters to to come through because you know they, they'll put their record out and it'll do well and then you get you know it only takes somebody else to who's got a bit more marketing um, financial means behind them or anything and that can be the game changer sometimes and you know it's shouldn't be the way it is but that's just the way it is it is it is like it is difficult like and it, it's weird like there should it should be a little bit more of an even playing field now that there's more money in the music industry like because i think like when you were starting out i remember like the industry felt like it was on its knees because it didn't really understand how to like monetize like the internet yeah. really um whereas like now it seems like they're all like all the big major labels seem to be absolutely rolling in it so like you'd think that like the market budgets would be a little bit more fair i think well yeah you would think so but i think what usually happens is it kind of you know, it's, it's the same with the streaming platforms and things that, you know, the, the people that are being suggested and the people with the most streams are the artists that are already at the top. You know, it's very, you know, I think the amount of songs that get released on, you know, Spotify a day is like ridiculous. And mm. it's just very difficult for, and I think what the, I can't remember what the statement was, but the statement being like, you know, to the people that were struggling to, on, on these streaming platforms we're, we're being told to put out more music but they're uh, already yeah. putting out as much as they, they possibly yeah. can and it's it's difficult to keep that up especially when you don't have the financial means as same as some of the bigger artists and and i think the divide is the divide the gap between you know the top artists and the ones coming through is getting a little bit bigger which you know is unfortunate i think yeah i i i can see that like i, I think they're the the bigger artists are getting bigger and the, and the smaller artists are finding it more difficult uh, because everybody can put the, like in a record store back in like the day like not to like go back to the back in my day because like i mean i prefer consuming music better through streaming platforms than i do in a record store because i can listen to everything i want and, yeah, of course, and, and not have to r- run around the place and like ask questions and stuff i just kind of yeah. I, I like it a little bit more at my fingertips but at the same time in that old record store there was only so much room for so many records on 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 every shelf whereas like yeah you're on there and you might be like a, a small band with three fans in kidderminster but you're also on there up against beethoven and uh, uh meatloaf yeah. and, and prince and everything. yeah exactly so it's hard to cut through it's very hard and that you know i think that's what makes it more and more difficult and you know that you know that leads to you know, venues not being able to survive and things like that. And, you know, it really does come back full circle. And I think it'd just be nice to see a little more support, I think, for the, for the you know, the artists coming through from from the industry itself, especially now, you know, it's not like they're struggling financially, is it? It's no. like, it'd be nice to, to give that a little bit back, I think. Have you ever thought about, like, like mentoring somebody, like like a, a, an artist and sort of give, teaching them the sort of, ways of the world that you've learned um because obviously like the mentoring works so much better when the when the person is actually closer to their age like you know it's always better with getting mentored by somebody that's within 10 years rather than somebody who's like 70 or 80 telling them what to do do you know have you ever thought about that 
Yeah, it's it's yeah because you know the the, the industry's changed so much. I, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, but you know, you're living in the same industry, aren't you? So it's much easier to kind of get your point across to people your age, I guess. But no, no one in particular. But you know, I'm somebody that I might might not seem like it, but um, most people's eyes. But you know, I do like to you know give encouragement and if you know young artists ask me for any advice or if there's any way that I can possibly help then I you know I'd like to try and do my best because you know that's that it's those kind of things that help you as well you need you know you've got to you know you've got to give what you take as well big time well, man so I believe in that and, and you're going to regret saying that because it's going to be a heave of slacker people that are listening to this right now you're going to be on your case <laughs> Yeah, but that's okay though. That's yeah. all right, you know. It's like you know, that's that's what it's for. As I said, it's given the industry's given me so much, you know, and it's you know, and if there's any way I can repay and give back, then you know, I'm more than happy to do so. Well, listen, man, you're you're definitely giving back in this year, like a year that we need good music, um, more than ever. You've got a, a new album, um, which is coming out, and I'm I'm stoked to hear it. And this should be dropping. I mean, we're recording this in uh what's today's date the 15th of september and i think the the record's coming out towards the the end of the year so i'm um, yeah i'm really really looking forward to to hearing it and and uh, no, sharing, you, sharing this with everybody so um jake thank you for your your time thanks for coming on the slacker podcast and um big love no cheers mate it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you very much Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.